Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Silver Screens and Politics. My name is indeed Brett Stewart, and I am joined, as always, by my wonderful, splendidly awesome co-host, Dominic Jacoki. How are you doing? I'm a ghost. How are you? I'm a ghost. It's my, it's my mother, and she's talking to me, and she's yelling at me, and I'm having flashbacks, but they're in black and white because it's the past. Uh, <laughs> that means, of course, we are talking about Oliver Stone's 1995 uh what is it? It's not biographical film. What is a biographical film entitled it's, Nixon? It's a biopic, technically. A biopic, yeah. A biopic on Nixon, starring, of course, Anthony Hopkins, which I actually did not realize. I have not seen this film since I was a kid. And mm. first of all, a weird film to watch when you're a kid. But... Yeah. I hadn't seen it in many years, so it's been a while, and I forgot that Anthony Hopkins was actually leading this for something he was actually nominated for an Academy Award for. But at the top of the show, what we always do is I hand the microphone on over to Dominic to tell us why we're watching the film we're watching, what's significant about it, all that good stuff. Uh, so, strangely enough, in the time between picking this and having watched it, its significance has grown like exponentially but originally it was sort of a thing like okay oliver stone's like a really big deal making american president movies we have to cover him at some point so we did w the first episode this is now our 10th episode let's get nixon in there but now everything going on in the current administration there's just a lot of parallels you can draw that are very interesting yeah, firing your own special prosecutor, that's always a little bit weird. Uh, yeah. I couldn't help but think while watching this entire film how contemporarily relevant it was, which was oh, shocking yeah. to me. Uh, because we always draw, and I say we as in the royal we, the media, and the American people have a tendency to draw parallels between the Nixon presidency and the Trump presidency. And to be fair, I don't think that's entirely fair to Nixon. Uh, and I just mean no. that in, in terms of intellect. Like, dude may have been, <laughs> dude may have been a little bit, uh, a little bit dicey and a little bit shady, but and also a little paranoid. But he was a pretty yeah. smart guy, and this film does a decent job of letting you know that. Uh, he went to China. Exactly. He went to China and he talked and they were talking and there were flashbacks while they were talking and then they'd like laugh together and then they would like flash black and white. I have a lot to talk about in regard to the bizarre cinematography of this film. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it is a relevant film to be watching. It is three hours long. This That's movie is so long. I was like an hour into this and I texted you and I'm like, this is three hours. Why? It's three hours. But Why? spoilers coming up. This isn't going to be our longest movie on the horizon. Cuts and generals. No, Gettysburg. Oh, Gettysburg. Okay, but but will Gettysburg be moderately more interesting? Because that's the first critique I'm going to throw out at Nixon is that if you want to give me Return of the King lengths, then you need to give me <laughs> Return of the King. Okay, you can't just give me Anthony Hopkins wandering around moaning for three hours. Well, think about this. Gettysburg was going to be a miniseries, but then Ted Turner said, no, let's make it all into one movie. <laughs> well, this is... Do you like Early the length 90s. of this movie? Does it serve it? I think it does a decent job. I don't... Like, I think there are places you could cut it, but I don't think it suffers much from the length. I like, don't know. I feel like there's a lot of meandering in it, and there's almost... It's almost one of those cradle to grave movies i didn't need 
And I guess what I mean by that is I don't really need to see his weird childhood scenes where his dad's like, this blood pays the bills, honey. I'm going to keep my bloody thing on at dinner. And it's just, I didn't need like, oh, hit him with the with the shot in the bed as he's screaming, why, dad, why? Like, I didn't need these weird black and white. Can we, can we, let's actually wind, wind up. <laughs> okay. All the... All of the past scenes are in badly shot black and white, which just makes this even weirder. It's such a that cliche in, in and bad. of itself. It's not bad. It's 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 stylized. It's mid ninety stylization. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> um. So, uh, yeah, I I don't like the scenes as him as a kid. I didn't need them. I didn't feel like they fleshed out his character all that much. It was this weird attempt to humanize Nixon in an Oliver Stoney way where it's like, here's why he was so paranoid and bizarre. I do think it was probably better than, um, the W scenes. Oh yeah. Yes. I mean, like what I remember from W is the scene where he fights his dad. That's like the best probably scene from that whole thing where this, I think does interesting things. It's like, Oh, his mother was very strict. His father was very strict. His brother died. Oh yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, I actually think that, the reason I don't like these scenes, I dislike them for two different reasons, because I kind of okay. dislike both. The reason okay. I dislike these is because they're so painfully boring to me. I just was not interested. Uh, I, I dislike W because there's just weird vignettes that don't tie together that try to make yeah. this character cohesive and it doesn't work. But I think I think the reason I had trouble with this film was because I just didn't find any of the conflicts particularly interesting. The, there's no dramatic overtone of the movie to me i mean there's the there's a scene where he's with his wife and he's like i'll never run again just tell me you love me or whatever it is he's saying and right. then they like hug and then it's like fast forward i'm running again and uh my nixon impression is god awful just well, none of the mean, conflict the, way the movie makes it sound they forced him into it pretty much right right and and then there's like the weird overtones where he's like there's like it hints at the fact that maybe he's guilty for kennedy but maybe not but also kind of hates the kennedys but they were friends. But they were also friends. And then and then it has like the scenes where they they straight up took the debate and just slapped Anthony Hopkins inside of it. <laughs> Which I actually it's, thought it's, was quite cool. It's the Forrest Gump effect. Right. Oh my god. Is that what that's called? Well, that's what I call it. Okay, I was hoping that you had a film school professor that called it that. <laughs> no, but that's the movie that popularized it, so. Oh, I could see that. I just I think I struggle with it because there's one giant conflict that i care about in this movie and that is watergate and it takes forever to get to it well we'll get to a different movie about that later on what movie is that all the presidents man oh my gosh i'm a journalist how did i not say that or miss that <laughs> but we're that was a all, all the presidents men got put on the list in the in the um more recent months considering <laughs> everything that's going on yes. but it's going to be interesting to compare it to Nixon because Nixon is everything and tries to be even more. Because, let's see, you got tying back into Truman, you got Tony Goldwyn again. You're doing something for the president. You got Joan Allen as his wife, which is a pretty good choice, but yeah, she does nothing really. She doesn't do anything, but she was nice, nicely cast. She's like, you know, I don't want you running again. I don't want to wear expensive things. Or he tells her, don't wear expensive things. Or something. Isn't that like a whole scene? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, so she's just kind of a prop. 
which is unfortunate, but you know, Oliver Stone movies have good casting usually. So that's all you can always say about them. Yeah. I actually, why don't we talk about Anthony Hopkins then? Because he was an unusual pick in my mind simply because he doesn't look a lot like Nixon to me. I, I know I know they tried to sell it with the hairdo and stuff, but he doesn't really look a lot like him. But I think his performance I, is really quite good. It's hard to look like Nixon, I think. I think that's the problem. It is. He's just a weird... He's just a special kind of ugly. Like, right. you can't manufacture that. <laughs> right. So, you know, we got, like, Frost Nixon, where they didn't even try, really. Who played him in Frost so, Nixon? Franklin Gallo, I think. I'm looking this up. Really? Fr- really, Franklin... I think so. I hope it's Frank. Oh, you're raw. Oh my gosh, that is sad. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's pathetic. I love it, Frank Langella. I w- hey, maybe we'll get to that, and we can make a Frank Langella parallel between this and Dave. Uh, <laughs> I remember that movie came out when I was like 13 or whatever, and even back then, I'm like, that doesn't look like him. It's like what what's the what's the movie with Bill Murray playing FDR getting his cousin oh, to yeah. masturbate him in a, in a in a in a garden? Um Hyde Park on Hudson. Are we watching that? Eventually. Okay, cuz that one scene is all I know about the movie. Oh, but yeah, anyway, I digress. I think he's actually quite a good actor in this role. I think he oh, yeah. I think it serves him very very well and I think he does an excellent job of embodying the paranoia that Nixon certainly oh, yeah. struggled with. Uh, I mean is it fair to say that I'm going to get into some dicey like Nixon defending territory here for a second. <laughs> okay. All right. Just sure. always like really really like uncharted waters, but Nixon seemed to have a inherent distrust of everybody around him. And yes. seemed to have inner demons to the point where it seemed like he needed some sort of psychiatric help to an extent, especially with the press. He he genuinely yes. thought the press was out to get him. And that is also a very Trumpian thing now because Trump, you know, hates the press and creates a caricature out of the press. Right. And so that was that's a really interesting parallel that they tried to make. Well, not to try to make that just is now a thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that part of the Nixon-Trump thing is is very, very true. Now, I would argue right. the difference is, is that... The, here's, here's what I think the difference is. Nixon didn't want to talk to the press. They even had his, what, 1960... 1960... Yeah, his 1962 press conference. Right. Where he says, you won't have Nixon to kick around anymore. Right. And... Nixon hated the press and didn't want to talk to them, didn't want anything to do with them. He wanted to keep them in the back of the plane. He wanted, you know, Spiro to go talk to them and not him. It probably goes back to the uh, checker speech even. Right. Exactly. And right. I think that is the key difference between him and Donald Trump is that Donald Trump does want to talk to the press. He'll just talk oh, to yeah. them and then immediately accuse them of spinning whatever he just told them. And then he'll watch them respond to it. Exactly. So I think Trump actually, to an extent, is a me- is a member of that publication press machine and he thrives off it and kind of needs it whereas nixon genuinely believed it was there to persecute him and only persecute him and i think that is what he ran into a lot of trouble with and Mm -hmm. that i think anthony hopkins captured beautifully in this really harrowing creepy kind of way that i think only anthony hopkins can do like he brings some hannibal lecter into this shit (laughs) like Like, I don't, I can't really imagine actual Nixon just kind of, like, swirling his drink and pacing around. Like, I imagine it happened, and I'm sure it looked unsettling, 
but he makes it seem so natural and so just like a thing he does. that anybody would do. He's so good. Yeah, he's really good. And he, and even the speeches, because one thing I will credit this film for is, while its authenticity has been uh, widely debated, as yeah, is with any Oliver Stone film, it does have I a believe, giant disclaimer on the front. Yeah, I believe, like, I think it was Disney's family even apologized to the Nixons. Really? I don't remember if it was, like, the granddaughter or something. Wow. It was like somebody at Disney apologized for the movie. Why was it Nixons. Disney that apologized? Not a Disney movie. Yes, it is. This is a Disney movie? Technically. Really? It's one of their um, you know, subsidiaries that uh put Oh, it out there. I see. Synergy Pictures. Well, Hollywood Pictures is the um the branch in the mid nineties that was um releasing. Oh, you're it. right. A division of the Walt Disney Company. Okay, yeah. I see. Yeah. They also did the sixth sense. Wow. Uh, it's, but it, one thing I will give it is has that giant disclaimer at the front that says like, "Hey, we didn't know what really happened, so we just kind of made it up," and yeah. that I think you have to go into an Oliver Stone movie wholeheartedly accepting. And we've talked about this when we talked about W, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again when we hit JFK. You right. have to understand the kind of director he is and the kind of narratives he wants to tell. Yeah. So yeah, it's partially conspiracy, partially facts, partially just kind of like we need to bridge the gap here. And it all kind of just comes together and do movies that are usually interesting, if not always great. But try to tell some history that you probably shouldn't really listen to because you don't know what's history and what isn't. But even, though, though, think, even though he has a tendency to defend his bullshit. Like, let's call Oliver Stone out on that. Uh, let's call him out on the on the, on the the Putin thing right now. Let's, let's Putin watch interviews. all those Putin interviews and Castro interviews and whatever's. His, his Putin Chavez interviews stuff. are the most. Have you seen any of them yet? No, I have not. I mean, we're going to our little rabbit hole. There's a point where he's like, you, you're a really nice hockey player. And then Putin's like, mm, you know I am. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then Oliver Stone's like, I love you so much. It is the most uncomfortable interview process. I have never seen an interview subject float through bullshit questions as easily as Putin did in that. Perhaps with the exception of when Michael Ke- not Michael, Megyn Kelly interviewed him. So, I mean... I don't understand, like, what what is his point? What is Oliver Stone's point in even, like, doing this in this day and age? Like Doing Putin? Yeah. I think he wants to concrete himself not only as the, the guy who makes presidential movies, but also as the one guy who could talk to the guy that nobody will talk to. Except Megyn Kelly. Extensively. Except Megyn Kelly. But granted, Megyn Kelly had 40 minutes with him. Oliver Stone had like five different meetings that were like four hours each. Like they had an incredibly long interview process for this, of which was completely fruitless. And that's my problem with him. Uh, but to go back it's to like, this Nixon movie. Here's a, here's a quick question for you. Do you think he would have done better than Michael Moore or Michael Moore done better? I feel like Michael Moore. I feel like an interview with Michael Moore and Putin would have turned into just a very bizarre prank. Like, I feel like it'd be. <laughs> Like you know what I mean? (laughs) Like I, I think Michael Moore would come in and like in like a in like a stained hoodie and like short shorts and (laughs) like hit a baseball cap and and just start firing mortars and Nixon not Nixon Putin would Mm -hmm. just take one look at him be like really really so I don't think it would have gone particularly better no but yeah Oliver Stone is that guy I still enjoy his movies this is my least favorite movie of his. I find it really uninteresting. Nah, so, I thought parts were really, were really interesting. 
like he really goes for it and i always appreciate when directors go for it like the quaker scenes even have like the eyes and the vows be like you must protect thyself young richard right you know, it's like it's like okay maybe they spoke like that but it's a little bit on the nose so the los angeles times reporting through cnn in 1996 ran an article on this because this came out in December of 95. Right, right. And director Oliver Stone, familiar with controversy, says the film is more sympathetic toward Nixon than many realize. Stone says if the daughters see the movie, they would be surprised at how Nixon is portrayed. But most Nixon supporters don't agree with Stone's assessment of the film. John Taylor, director of the Nixon Presidential Library, calls the film reprehensible. Taylor says the film links Nixon to the Kennedy assassination and inaccurately trashes his relationship with his wife, Pat. Quote, the effort this film scripts the effort this film script makes to drive a wedge between President Nixon and his first lady is simply a dehumanization of the 37th president to make him a solitary, marginal figure, even in the eyes of his wife, Taylor says. So let's talk about that. Um, let's talk about the um, the uh, the Kennedy scene that they talk about. Okay, where he's in Dallas and he's with some like oil executives or something, right? And you know, the other time he's like. Well, Kennedy won't be a problem any longer, or he won't be a problem much longer. And it's kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge moment where you're like, oh, I get it. Because he's going to die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. There's that Oliver Stone conspiracy theorist going in. Like, oh, it's an inside job. I want Oliver Stone and Spike Lee to make a film together. Is World Trade Center really conspiracy heavy? Not particularly, no. World you Trade Center is, is really just uh, like three hours of Nick Cage and what's that other guy's name that never gets a lead role, but he's super good. He's an Ant-Man. I haven't seen it. Michael Pena. It's oh, Michael okay. Pena and Nick Cage stuck under rubble talking for three hours. That is really the... And it's, a, it's an exhilarating film that is so scary to watch. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's one of his best movies, but that is literally the extent of the film. It never, ever touches on the terrorist side of it. So it really doesn't get into the conspiracy theory part. But I really want to see, like, this era of Oliver Stone tackle that movie again. Oh, God. Just like... Jet fuel can't melt steel beams, Dom. Everybody knows that. (laughs) Everybody knows that. Uh, (laughs) The Bin Ladens were ushered out of the country. Right. (laughs) They were friends. So, this movie, <laughs> where do you want to take this? Because I, I, there's a couple other things I want to talk about, but I want to hand it off to you first. Um, I just keep thinking of that one scene. I, I really want to know if this happened, where, like, Nixon is just so distraught, and is so bogged down by everything, that he just starts bleeding. Oh, he has to go to the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, lays down in bed, and he's just bleeding. <laughs> Like, did that happen? It's a really good question. <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe. Who knows? Like, that was so bizarre. It's like, oh, he was just a pressure cooker, and then he popped. Yeah. It's like uncomfortable parallels, you know? Right, right. Now, this film uh, also... We're here. Oh, yeah, they called it reprehensible. I'm looking at... It, it bombed at the box office. Did decently in award season, though. It was nominated for pretty much everything, but didn't win. Any, didn't really win anything. 
Oliver right. Stone asked for a massive budget to make this movie, and in order to cut costs, he actually made a deal to lease White House sets uh, from the American president, which was being shot the same year. Excellent. With Michael Douglas. He didn't license from Dave, though. He didn't do it from Dave. What year was Dave shot? 92, 93. Okay. Dave, I love you, Dave. Well, they they're talking about how they use like the Dave and like the West Wing and stuff like that. Remember? Yeah, they use Dave stuff everywhere. Like Dave four, Dave returns to the White House. Dave uh, goes to Iraq. Dave goes to Iraq. Uh, so, and then in a review for Time Magazine, Richard Corliss said that Hopkins is a failure. He neither finds the timber of Nixon's plummy baritone with its wonderfully false attempts at intimacy, nor the stature of a career climber who, with raw hands, scaled the mountain and was still not high or big enough. Oh, I disagree completely. I do, too. I actually think that Anthony Hopkins is the redeeming quality of this film for me. Him and John Allen. John Allen is very good in this film. Yes. Like, they do this remarkably well, and everything around them is kind of like, okay. Now, the director's cut of this film extends it by 28 minutes. Did you watch the of regular course. cut? Yeah, I watched the 197-minute cut. That they're all so long, I don't even know. Because the extended cut, I guess, even, like, gets into his funeral. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah, they they okay. literally go cradle the grave. <laughs> I mean, I guess you got to take advantage of what you're given. And my understanding is that they actually just used actual image, like actual footage of his funeral. And they just photoshopped Anthony Hopkins' body. Okay, can we talk about that? Did you see the scene where his head was photoshopped on? Yeah. Which one was it? Which one are we talking about? Is it the um, the, the debate? No, it was one of the montage scenes where it was like showing him shaking hands with various like heads of state and and going going to different conventions and stuff. And then at one okay. point he's like shaking someone's hand, and it's very clearly Anthony Hopkins' head superimposed on Richard Nixon's body. It could not be more obvious. <laughs> the proportions are all wrong. That's amazing. I I don't know if I ever thought that. Not good. Not good. Uh, though I do appreciate his classic, where he like puts his you know his little peace signs up, you know, you know yep. he he does the peace signing really well, and I know I'm just like editorializing, but I like to do it. Basically, I think of Nixon as like Boss Nass in Episode One. That's basically yeah. the parallel I make when I imitate his voice. So let's talk about the the weirdest scene in the movie, okay? Which also apparently happened when he goes to the Lincoln uh, Monument. And then there's all the protesters, and he talks to them. He just has, like, a heart-to-heart with the protesters. And it's like he actually thinks you just can go out there and, like, reason with them. It's like a total, like, aside. It's like a like a detour, basically, at this point in the movie. It's just kind of like, oh, Nixon's out there talking to the people. <laughs> and then it's like no one knows where he is, and his people are, like, probably looking for him. It's because like, this movie takes a lot of detours. <laughs> But it, it's like, it's so bizarre because it's just like, okay, Nixon, the paranoid man, Nixon doing all this underhanded Watergate stuff. And then he just talks to people. He talks to the American people, the college kids. Right. They hate him. They hate <laughs> him so much. But, Why don't you like me? But Dom, wasn't his resignation inspiring? 
It had like flashbacks over it and like inspirational music. And he was like, I am your guy. I love you. I love you so much. And then he got up and everybody clapped for him. And then Kissinger was always like, you got to do it. (laughs) You got to do it. Resign. Because we should note that he is the only president obviously this is some this, we're, we're doing some basic history here he's the only president to resign i believe correct yes he's the only president to resign s- second president no he was he resigned so he did not get impeached right. two presidents got impeached and that was johnson yes. and clinton but both were acquitted exactly so nixon got out of there when the giddin was good so he could get himself a nice little round of applause uh Apparently, there's an election year version of this film. They just called what? it election year and put it out in 2008. What? Yeah. <laughs> All it is, it says, history repeats itself. Beyond high definition, extended director's cut with 28 additional minutes. He should have waited eight years. Re- they really should have. Like, they really, really should have. That's just jumping the gun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah. So, <laughs> so this this, I guess I, I guess I guess my big problem with this film is I don't need the cradle of the grave thing. I just want the Watergate thing. That's the only part interesting about guess, Nixon to me. I guess it's because the Watergate movie existed, so you couldn't just do that, right? So it was like, and the Pentagon Papers movie, I guess, wasn't interesting to him. So, it's the whole thing, but not really. Right. Now, Oliver Stone said that he voted for Nixon in 1968 because he was going to end the war in Vietnam. Uh, But there was that really intense scene after the Chinese negotiations where he's just dropping bombs everywhere. And it's like cutting back to like shots of him negotiating where it's like it's like shots right out of the Adams family where it just starts like like. It cuts to his face like laughing maniacally as like the camera shines like black and white. I was that made me think of the uh, the Kislyak conversation in the <laughs> Oval Office. <laughs> yeah, and this film is like some of the cinematography is so bizarre to me in that regard. Like it cuts in on the White House in the opening yeah. scenes, and it looks like the Adams Family Mansion. It like cuts <laughs> in. There's like storms everywhere. It's like it's like a roiling, you know, rage of God descending upon the White House. It just looks absolutely terrifying. <laughs> or how the um the aspect ratio keeps changing in the film. Oh my! Really? So Does like, it? Yeah, it's different sizes all throughout. Really? Yeah. And that's like an all <laughs> that's like an Oliver Stone thing to do. I don't know if it's for timelines or if it's for how he feels, like maybe the more he feels squeezed, you know. Okay. It'll squeeze. So, I don't know what his justification is. But it's definitely <laughs> noticeable where it's like the screen is like a third of the whole screen. The the film is a third of the whole screen. The film is like it just in the center. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, is this a kind of film, is is it a good time to make a weird conspiracy film about a president a year after he's passed away? Well, that wasn't their intention. That's they true. were filming it when he died, I think. or It was like happening when he died. They was not, it was like, if he hadn't died, it was, still would have been made. Right, right. Did you like it? Like, is this a film you enjoyed? Um, mostly. Mostly because I like the actors, and I think... 
as a general story of Nixon, it does a good job, even if it's not always interesting. Just yeah. like even like the small moments where he's just they just talk about, oh, I like jazz. Nixon, he's a decent gag. He's a cool guy. Or Elvis, he's a he's a decent gag. Elvis, we need to watch Nixon and Elvis soon. Uh, I do find it interesting that Anthony Hopkins was one of the last choices to actually play Nixon. Yeah, they were like, "Hey, Jack Nicholson, do you want the role?" He's like, "No," and they're like, "Hey, Tom Hanks, do you want the role?" He's like, "Nah." So, I I can't picture either of those playing Nixon. I can picture Tom Hanks doing a Nixon. I don't know how good really? it would be, but huh? I don't know about that. Oh uh, well, it's just I don't know. This is a movie I I can't. I have trouble recommending. I think it's so long. It's such a drag, and it doesn't go anywhere. I think that's my problem with it is that I don't find I don't come out of this movie with any sort of realizations that I did not have about President Nixon. I think that's one of my problems is that there are moments where it tries to show me his paranoia, and I, <clears throat> yeah, I guess there are moments when it tries to show me lighter sides of him and tries to show me his childhood which i just found incredibly disinteresting and then there are moments where it shows us watergate and just kind of meanders around in weird pseudo espionage and doesn't tell you what's happening he's like they're never gonna find this and he's and then they're like sitting in darkly lit rooms drinking brandy while like talking about you know the fbi and it's and it's so weirdly scripted that even if you understand watergate you're like, what specifically is happening right now? I think it's interesting that he chooses to like go more back over JFK and that like he has whole conspiracy scene. Yeah. Then he does to ever try to touch all the president's men. Cause it seems like he's actively trying to avoid like specifically like getting into Watergate because that movie exists, but it's like, it's you know, movie. JFK, let's get a little coda in there about maybe Nixon had something to do with it. I'm going to throw it out there. All the President's Men is a better movie. Email us. <laughs> uh, SilverScreensInPolitics at gmail.com. Well, we'll find out later on in the, in the show. We definitely will. Uh, this is a film, like... I think it's... Okay, I think it's worth watching. I think it's worth watching for if you are not that familiar with Nixon and you want to be immersed in the weirdness of Nixon without historical accuracy. <laughs> then yeah, I think get, it's just, fine. Like, get the, just, just get the vibe. Get the Just vibe. get the vibe. Get the weird paranoia, because I think that is key to understanding Nixon. Once you understand Nixon, that Nixon was a paranoid mother effer, then you can dig deep into stuff like All the President's Men. And then just watch the scene where Nixon cuts the steak and the blood splurts out, because that's Vietnam. Right. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, okay. Can we, also, can we talk about the scene with uh, Hoover? Sure. Because that was like the one thing I was really looking forward to was how was Oliver Stone going to handle Jagger Hoover? <laughs> and he went like full camp. He really did. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, Bob Hoskins is great. I love Bob Hoskins so much. And was <laughs> you Hoover, know that role just... was originally offered to Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci? Joe Pesci. I don't know why I said Pesci. That would have been, been amazing, too. That would have been amazing. Just like... Because we got to watch Clint Eastwood's Jagger because it goes even like it doesn't go like further into camp, but it like it goes for it. Right. Jagger was gay in love with Tolson. It does the whole thing. And this only touches it. This only touches it. And it has like the whole poolside scene where Hoover is flirting with like the pool boy. 
Right. It's, it's a bizarre, great scene. But we got to watch J. Edgar to really, like, see DiCaprio and Army Hammer kiss. <laughs> like, it's it's one of the best scenes in cinema history. Okay. Well, on that note, uh, <laughs> what are we watching next and why are we watching it? Okay. So, originally when we put the, when we put the show together, we had 10 episodes planned out. And this was back before the election. And then as we recorded, we were started to plan our next few episodes. And since Trump came into office, we wanted to reflect that. So now with episode 11, our first film representing the fact that we now live in a Trump administration will be the movie Broken Promises, the United Nations at 60. And it is a documentary, I assume, by Citizens United. And one of the big selling points is that Donald Trump is interviewed about the United Nations in the mid-2000s. Beautiful. What could possibly go wrong or contradictory about an interview that our current president gave? And really, I was going to say in the mid-2000s, but really just it could have been three weeks ago, and it would still probably be very contradictory. I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited to get into the Trump stuff. It's a little over an hour long, and and I I doubt anyone's watched this really recently. Like... Maybe we can find something in here. Has anybody watched it? Like I was about to say, can you cut this recently? Has anybody watched it? But like, what if we find something here? What if we find like the big break or something? Beautiful. <laughs> Tune in with us next week to see if we solve the Trump presidency. Dominic, <laughs> thanks for being with me. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me at D-A-C-I-C-H-O-C-K-I on Twitter. Very good. You can find me at Rivers Rubin on Twitter and also on my website, brettdavidstewart.com. It's all redesigned and really purdy, except by the time you get this in your feed, it will have been redesigned for like three months. So it's been redesigned for a while and it's been really purdy. So check it out. We'll catch you a little bit later. Later.